Hey everyone, uh, we just wanted to to touch on some things before we start the uh, the episode. Um, we're recording this on the third day of uh, global protests um, in response to George Floyd's death. And you know, with with this show, I mean, obviously it's about video games, so I think that Brendan and I are are conscious of why people listen to this show and also. Uh, don't want to speak on anyone's behalf, but I do think what we do on this show and, and our intention of creating a certain environment, uh, also talking about things we're experiencing in our lives alongside what's happening in our lives, we would be doing you and ourselves a disservice if we didn't at least address what's happening in the world. Um, I think we would feel really gross recording this episode, pretending like it's another normal day. Um, so... I think we just want to start by by sending our eternal admiration and respect for anyone out there who is in in the protests right now. Um, we are fully on the side of those who are protesting. Uh, we only wish that you do not experience any harm and uh, also that, you know, global pandemic is still happening. So be safe with that, too. Yeah. It's ridiculous how many how many things I want to send worries to at the same time. I don't want my regards to your safety to limit the form in which you wish to protest. Um, totally. Yeah. What's happening right now is something that is a very clear turning point. And I think that it's something that affects all of us. I think anyone who pretends it doesn't is, is doing themselves a disservice and uh, without exaggerating is on the wrong side of history. And I don't want to act like uh, Brendan and I are, are, on this kind of pedestal, but I think all we can urge all of you to do if you are, you know, not a person of color is to listen and lift up the voices around you. Yeah, we, we are very well aware that we are two uh, white men recording a, a podcast about video <laughs> games every week. Um, yeah. And and if we have a very, very minuscule platform, but um, using that to speak up, I don't know, is 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 the best thing that I think we we are capable of doing outside of uh, a million other forms of activism, uh, like like donating to the right places, uh, calling uh, your your government officials and, and demanding justice. Um, I'll leave a link in the show notes for a, a yeah. list of things you can do. But I, it's one of those situations where um, where where silence makes you complicit, and and we just wanted to uh, start this episode by saying. Please, please, please raise your voices and speak up about what's happening. Um, please hold those around you accountable uh, and, and, and note the people in your life who are staying silent because um, those are the people that either are, uh, as you said, Stephen, on the wrong side of history or need help and education in uh, joining the right side of history. Totally. And I think that the latter never ends. I think you're never done learning or listening or totally or helping anyone whose voice isn't as heard. So yeah, I, I think that's about all all I I felt the need to say. Um I think like Brendan said, we'll have links in the show notes of various places you can donate money. Um that's that's the form in which I am trying to help 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 any way you can. Any form it takes, just just do what you can. And uh we just wanted to to send our respect to those who are who are on the front lines of of uh, of what's happening right now. Yeah, it's also worth noting we're recording this on uh, Sunday, May thirty first. Um, this is going to come out 
on a Wednesday in June, the first Wednesday of June. Um, it's possible things may have either escalated or de-escalated by then, but that doesn't mean that this message is uh, any more or less relevant. Even if this stuff is no longer trending or whatever, you should still be donating to the right causes and you should still be um, doing what you can, um, whether it's on the front lines or uh, from your house. Yeah. Yeah. And I think with that, we'll we'll get into the episode. But this is, again, this is something that affects everyone, even if you don't realize it and you got to do your part. Yeah. So. Um, as, as much as as much as this show exists to be a, a positive force, um, it, you, you mentioned this before we started recording, uh, it, would, it would be disingenuous and it, and it would be um, a facade of positivity if we didn't um, if we didn't say this right yeah. at the front. Our show isn't just like stock footage of like New Zealand in the 90s for you. <laughs> or maybe it is. <laughs> right. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, our show aside, fuck our show. Do the right thing. Yeah. T- <laughs> completely if you still agree. want to listen, yeah. then go ahead. But uh, yeah, we just wanted to use what little platform we had to, 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 to say what we just did. Yeah. All right. Let's get okay. into uh, the show. Let's go on the show. Hello and welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast. My name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. Uh, Stephen, you and I are both playing an independently developed video game on the Nintendo Switch, which I'm very, very excited to talk to you about. Um, yeah. It's it's a game that I think neither of us knew existed until very recently, even though it came out last year, but just recently released on Nintendo Switch. Um, it's called Bug Fables. Yeah. This is a game I'm excited to talk about for a variety of reasons, but I, I like you, did not know of it. Um, my friend Brendan, your doppelganger, who is into board games, uh-huh. uh, board game Brendan, as we'll call him, uh, BGBB, uh, he <laughs> texted me a picture of Bug Fables and said, what do you think? And you know me in Bug <laughs> Fantasy, okay? Yeah. Uh, we are both big fans of Hollow Knight. Um, yeah, some I of our very it, first episodes are about are about Hollow Knight and our love of that. Um, long, long-time listeners of the show will uh, know how much I personally love Hollow Knight and how much Steven also loves Hollow Knight. Um, so yeah, we, we, we're suckers for Bug Fantasy. There's something about, like, the same thing with Redwall or, or anything where, like, the fantasy lens is applied to to animal kingdoms that like just work, especially small ones like bugs or, or rodents. Mm-hmm. I'm such a sucker for that for some reason. <laughs> I love rats and bugs, okay? Um, <laughs> but he sent me a picture of Bug Fables and I was like, I don't know what this is. Um, and I looked into it. It was it had just come out on Steam. So it was released for Windows on the 21st of November of last year. So towards the end of last year, like yeah. well after the like end of year releases. Uh, and it is now on Switch. PS4 and Xbox One, so it's on everything. Oh, um, nice! I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah, which is dope. We have it on Switch, and it is a really, really lovely RPG um, that specifically is aimed at being an homage to the Paper Mario series, um, with, with elements from other RPGs as well. But strikingly, 
and we'll get into that conversation about uh homage and 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 all that and all the definitions around that yeah um it is very much uh in lieu of paper mario which is really interesting because we discussed in a recent episode that paper mario thousand year uh excuse me thousand year door was the one on gamecube paper (laughs) mario uh origami king is the new one coming out like in a month in early july yeah and that was announced really recently and kind of out of nowhere um so this game had been in development uh, and came out well before I think anyone realistically knew that Nintendo is working on a new Paper Mario. Um, so I think that this game is alongside a lot of other indie games in which Nintendo did a thing and then dropped it and moved on. And a lot of people are like, why did no one else do this again? Right. Um, yeah, it, I think it's, you it's see the that. Stardew Valley of Paper Mario. Totally, totally. So uh, I think this was on Indiegogo or Kickstarter. Um, yeah, it was a Kickstarter game which is great. Yeah. Uh, and it, it basically just sort of sought to keep that genre afloat, you know, without using Nintendo IP, obviously. So in place of, of the Mario kingdom and all that, you have sort of this bug kingdom, uh, which I think is honestly one of the strongest points of the game is this sort of like fully realized version of various uh, insect factions, uh, which we'll get more into as we talk about it. But I think it just really fascinated this came out and now there's a new Paper Mario coming out. So I, I'm really curious. I think that this game's legacy will really be determined by how the new Paper Mario is. I don't want it to be beholden to that. Because right. Yeah. They're, they're, they're not linked forever. Right. Like the quality of this game is not linked to the quality of the new Paper Mario. But it will be interesting if the new Paper Mario comes out and is less than what fans are expecting. Uh, th- yeah. The, the thing that people will say in the event that that happens is go play bug fables instead on your switch. Yeah. I mean, I would probably wager based on just the, the very limited stuff we've seen of the new paper Mario. So uh, just a quick refresher for people who are unfamiliar with paper Mario. Um, it is a, uh, one of many spinoff series about Mario, uh, who I assume, you know, if you're listening to this, he, uh, that series started, I would argue with uh, super Mario RPG on the super Nintendo, which was, uh, co-created by Square, literally like Mario Final Fantasy. That is a Square RPG turn-based combat. Um, it's a really funny game. It has a really interesting design. It's one of those like claymation-ish Super Nintendo games, kind of like Donkey Kong Country, where like they're going for a 3D aesthetic in a 2D capacity. Yeah, and that game is like a big cult hit. It's hard to find. Uh, I would highly recommend playing it if you have any interest in like that kind of golden era of RPGs, like a la Chrono Trigger or FF6. Like Paper Mar- uh, excuse me, Mario RPG is like right up there with them. Honestly, it's a really great game, and I and I think it set this foundation of like a spinoff of Mario that like humorously satirizes like Mario as a character and how bizarre the world is, but is also this epic fantasy adventure. So the balance of tone is really interesting, especially in that first game. Uh, And then Paper Mario was the follow-up, the spiritual sequel on N64. And that was still very much an RPG, but it was a very different system. So while Super Mario RPG was very much... It had some novel stuff going on, like the attack menu was kind of like a wheel and there were there was introduced this idea that like you're not just selecting orders, but there might be attacks that require a certain button input. Like Mario can jump on enemies and if you push the button at the right time, it does more damage, stuff like that. Yeah. Paper Mario kind of focused on that and like one went in a very different artistic direction. It literally everything was flat, kind of like Prep of the Rapper, I guess, <laughs> uh, if you want to. You know, any excuse I have to bring up Rapper the Rapper, I will. Um, 
So you have this sort of flat paper perspective. Paper obviously being a nod to like pen and paper RPGs. Mm-hmm. Um, and that game was like real good. And, and, and really, I would argue, is a great introduction to RPGs, but is also very much its own system. Uh, the way it worked was like you controlled Mario always as your main protagonist. Then you could have one sidekick who would take the turn after Mario and had, you know, one or two abilities. So there was a... Uh, a Goomba named Goombario, who is like a big Mario fanboy. Uh, and he could like oh, kind rules. of read. Yeah, he was great. He's the first ally you get and he could scan an enemy and tell you like how much health they have and what their weaknesses are. Um, then you had Cooper, who was this Koopa Troopa, who could like horizontally attack a line of enemies and do a lot of damage. You had um, uh, a ghost character and she could uh, hide Mario, which would like prevent him from taking damage the next turn. So mm-hmm. there was a lot of like really simple stuff that that led to like really advanced strategies. And and not only did the uh, assistant characters have utility in battle, but they could also help you with platforming. So like Cooper could hit switches that were like ahead of you but maybe there was too big of a ledge uh there's a paratrooper like messenger character with like an old-timey pilot's hat which i'm a sucker for he uh <laughs> he can carry you across things while flying so um and never forgot that it was a mario game even though it was extremely different yeah and i think thousand year door which i never played was the sequel on gamecube and that didn't really get a big uh, it didn't like sell especially well but people loved it and apparently that even dived deeper into sort of the RPG aspect of the series. And that was, of course, followed by the Wii one, the Paper Mario on the Wii, which like was fine. I think it had the same level of like writing and presentation, but it very much dropped the RPG side of things. Mm-hmm. It was sort of like a platformer. And it just didn't really like to have a Mario spinoff series that is focused on being a platformer feels like stay in your lane man Mar- the main mario series is doing that yeah. like do something different um right the, the whole point that, of the franchise is to, is to be different than the main mario franchise yeah so that was kind of a flop even though it had some redeeming moments especially the writing um and then since then there's been like little blips on the radar the mario and luigi series on the uh the ds and the 3ds is sort of akin to the tone you would find a paper mario and like has a little bit of that yeah but there i think hasn't i think that's been... the reason that the new paper mario was so shocking was that uh in terms of it being announced was that the mario and luigi franchise just seemed like it was picking up the the pieces of what paper mario was and was trying to turn that into like the the tentpole rpg side of nintendo yeah really weird but anyway but yeah so this new one's coming out so i think like i'm very excited for it but the question still remains like what type of game is this going to be so all that to say i think if if they if they whether or not it's it's good or bad if the new Paper Mario is more focused on being like an atmospheric platformer, I think that Bug Fables will have a very important role to fill because this game is very, very interested in, in being even more of an RPG than than the previous Paper Mario yeah. games were. You've got a party of three characters, so the classic adventures trio. You have V, uh, the Bumblebee, who is great. She's very energetic and very uh, just like in your face. Um, you've got Kabu, uh, the sort of stoic stout uh, beetle guard who mm-hmm. you said has all the makings of a Stephen Hilger favorite, which I <laughs> would love for you to elaborate on if you don't mind. Oh, yeah. Um, what, what's that guy's name from uh, Final Fantasy Nine? Oh, Steiner. Yeah, Steiner. <laughs> they're, they're the same character except one's a beetle and one's not. Um, the, the idea of the stalwart knight who uh, over time reveals that they're actually like kind at heart i i think is is really interesting the the, the facade of of knighthood um versus the actual person uh, i i think is is very much in your wheelhouse 
Yeah, it's like the opposite of Quixotic in a way. It's like you're you're <laughs> pretending to be like you're secretly this this soft uh, sweetheart. Yeah. Um, yeah. The the big moment with Kabu because he's like the no nonsense like we have to help the queen and then. Uh, at a certain point, there's a merchant selling like literally a Power Rangers doll, but the bug version of it. <laughs> and he's like, I need to get this. Like, you don't understand how important this is for me. Um, that rules. And the third character is a kind of the most sort of a uh, hollow knight in a design, I would say. And also kind of is, tone, honestly. Yeah. Is Leaf, who is this moth mage that is from a different era, kind of like Avatar. Like he woke up. Uh, in the future not a huge spoiler it's revealed pretty early on and is very obvious even before they reveal it yeah um and he's kind of driving the plot so far so you had the classic adventurers trio of like which i love and this always happens in D D too it's like okay i'm the tank i'm the warrior cool i'm the mysterious mage sick i have a boomerang <laughs> like that's what the third person <laughs> is like uh, yeah. i i'm the i'm the cool rogue that can use a boomerang when can i use my boomerang <laughs> which like v very much feels like like a person who would play a rogue, but she's also the character. You yes. Know? Yes. Um, so the three of them, I, I really like the game. I, I wouldn't say gets off on the strongest foot, honestly. Like I was really, uh, really charmed by the initial like presentation of the game and like seeing what it was and like kind of just bought it like on a whim. Cause I'm like you and I, a love bug fantasy and B <laughs> like really do always want to seek out and champion indie games. Um, mm-hmm. And this yeah. is very much like, I think sometimes the word, indie game gets tossed around and you have stuff that's like secretly backed by warner brothers and is like a multi (laughs) you know what i mean like yeah totally there's like and nothing no shade on that but you have indie like you know or you the blind forest is like i guess theoretically an indie game but it is uh, but also by clearly, Microsoft Game Studios. Yeah, right. So it's like, okay, you're getting this this giant budget to produce this like incredibly beautiful thing, and this game really does feel like it was made like you know on an indie budget, uh, for better and for worse. Yes. Um, yeah. So it begins with this sort of like thousands of years ago text thing, and like uh, I really don't want to come off as like a font snob, but the font chosen for that section is like kind of whack. Like it doesn't really. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's like that uncanny valley between like comic font and comic sans. So I'm like, oh, this feels like it was like, I don't know. It just it's irking me a little bit. And, you know, it's it's generic stuff. But as soon as that went away and it was just the characters talking, I was kind of sold. And so it begins like pretty straightforward. Like you see the beetle and the bee of V and Kabu talking to these ant guards. You're in the ant kingdom in the beginning. Um, and the character design is awesome. Like it really is. It The game is like consistently really, really well executed and, and beautiful in its design and also kind of jarring and some of the things that don't work as well. Like there's later on, there's a, there's a building where you're in this, like the palace of the ant kingdom. And in the hall of the queen, there are these like jaw dropping stained glass windows that show the ant queen and the bee queen. Yeah. And I literally like, stayed in that room and took a screenshot. So I'm like, this rules. And then in the library, there's a painting of the old ant queen and it looks like a low res like JPEG that like was stretched out to fit to be big. And I'm like, how are these in the same game? Yeah. Not trying to nitpick. It just, it just stands out because I think that they did a great job emulating the, the paper Mario presentation and the character design and like the world is so alive, but like every now and then you bump into like, okay, this could use a bigger budget or at least like better, you know, art direction. But that being said, and the other thing I bumped into in the beginning too, is I kept waiting for the moment 
that like the game would separate itself from Paper Mario because it is it is real real it rides that line very thinly at least in the beginning where like uh, when you finish a battle the bee even has its arms up like just like Mario the edges of the map have that like yellow triangle in the center of it I'm like that's not why people liked Paper Mario you don't like it's the same thing with any souls like having fog you know or or the boom sound when you choose it's like that's not yeah <laughs> you have to you don't have to do that that and you shouldn't and, and hollow knight is actually a great example of a souls like that does not feel derivative one because i think hollow knight is drawing from so many things that the alchemy becomes something else like it is as much of a metroid game as it is a souls game as it is its own game uh and it doesn't it doesn't force itself to have those visuals or sound cues that other games have because they feel like they have to um, right 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 you know i even playing terraria and and starbound back in the day they had the fucking minecraft like boop when you got pieces, it's like, you don't need to do that. <laughs> yeah. So it's just, you know, you can showcase your influences without being derivative, I think. Mm-hmm. And I, and the reason I sound frustrated is because I do really like Bug Fables and I'll get into when it clicked and I want it to stand more on its own and not just be like Paper Mario, but bugs, you know? <laughs> so the battle system is very similar and they've kind of doubled down on, on the button input aspect of it where like uh, V throws a boomerang and he has to push A at the right time to do the most damage. Kabu kind of hits them with his like beetle horn um you have to hold down and then release at a certain time and leaf the moth is the hardest to do but but i think does the most damage Mm -hmm. um there's a countdown and it will reveal a button you have to push it at the right time and it will this icicle pops up and does damage my favorite thing about about leaf's attack specifically is that it will finally get me to uh learn the x and y placements on the switch (laughs) button layout where i am always confused about which one is which uh, and, uh-huh. and I sure have been like uh, learning via leaf. Totally. By the time via this game <laughs> is over, I will be a master of those four buttons and where they are on the on the gamepad. And there's great animation too with the characters when they're low on health, they're like kind of sagging down. Even with leaf, if you mess up the button, which I do 90% of the time, he'll like shake his hand in frustration. Yeah. So like that stuff is great, and it, it works the same way as Super Mario, where you have like health. Uh, you have a shared pool of mana, which is interesting. Like there's teamwork points, which like every character draws from to use their abilities, and then you have metals which are literally the the like stamps from paper mario or the badges that like give you passive abilities so like Mm -hmm. it's just copied and pasted but that doesn't bother me because that's like a it's a battle system that they're really having a lot of fun with and they're actually the more i played it the more i realized they're doing things uniquely to this game that aren't in paper mario at all it's sort of like they're like what if we took that system and made it like a little bit more of a hardcore rpg yeah Uh, and i say hardcore like in quotes difficult it is uh the the boss is the turning point because you fight the spider and like they teach you that early on that if you push a like the exact time you get attacked you will block and either take less damage or no damage if it's like perfect so there's like a parry mechanic basically that i never did i just never did it as i was going through the environment uh, and i was fine and then the boss like routinely messed me up and i was like (laughs) what am i doing wrong and i i was like should i grind and then i was like let me just retry and i remembered that blocking was the thing and it was like it totally went the other way so that was a really cool moment of like okay this game really wants me to stay invested in like 
when I time things, even when it's not my turn, which I think is what is keeping this battle system really fresh. That sense of engagement is not present in Paper Mario as much. Yeah, um, yeah. The 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 double um, or or the the inclusion of the block mechanic, which is very 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 active in a game that is turn based, um, and then also the ability to use your attacks outside of battle and in the real world um, to attack a monster before it attacks you, kind of like a classic. Um, like get behind an enemy in Persona 5 and, and ambush them. So you can yeah, go first. Or even in, in Dragon Quest, you can do that too. Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, it allows yeah. whoever is your party leader at that time to go twice uh, at the beginning of that round of combat. Um, and, and those kinds of things are literally uh, the, the line between life and death in that game, um, which I've been very surprised by. I didn't expect it to be as difficult as it was. Um, that's not to say that it is like really that hard. It's just like mastering those mechanics in the first like hour to two hours, I think is hard. And then it becomes a joy. Like a- a- after, yeah. after all that stuff locks in, it is supremely rewarding and super fun. And I find myself actively looking for more things to fight because, because I enjoy it so much. Uh, it's very reminiscent of how I felt about playing Octopath Traveler, which like yeah. had a battle yeah. system that was so engaging and so fun and so rewarding that like I I was grinding not because I needed to but because I wanted to um, yes yes which which is great I mean that's just a sign of, of incredible game design and I, and I think the 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 two kind of stars of the show here are the battle system and the writing um yeah I'm still waiting for the story to pop off a little bit but like they very much nailed the sort of like bizarre ambience of NPCs like the moment the game like kind of went up a level for me which is very much my shit but like <laughs> once you once you meet the queen and the A plot kind of kicks off, you can just explore the town and like everyone is written so uniquely and bizarrely. And like, there's so many side quests to pick up. One person's yeah. like, can you return my overdue library book? And like, um, <laughs> it has that tone that Paper Mario did where not only is it satirizing Mario, but it's also kind of poking fun at RPGs and like kind of self-aware and like, okay, here's like a boring sub quest that like the characters are going to get actually mad at doing. They're like, why is this? Like, why are we doing this right now? Right. Yeah. Cause, um, cause the whole setup of chapter one of the game is that you are setting out uh, to retrieve an artifact from this thing called the Snake Mouth Pass, which you are told... Uh, teams of adventurers have gone into uh, to try and explore and find this artifact in the past and nobody has ever made it to the artifact and generally everybody dies if they go in. Um, so you're the first team ever to go in, get the artifact and get out and survive and that's just like the setup for the game. So yeah. when you immediately go from that to like, you know, you're being praised by the queen herself for retrieving this artifact then immediately somebody's like, can you return my library book? Yeah. <laughs> the, the sense of like, why the fuck is this the quest is like, yeah. is, is is pre- it's going to be prevalent in your mind and the and the writers have anticipated that and and um have reflected that within their their characters which i, I think is great um yeah it, it is it. it is stemmed off the reality though because now everyone knows you're the snake mouth group or the snake mouth gang or whatever they call you yeah, it's yeah. something like that and they're like oh you're the guys who did this you must be able to help me out with my problems too right, right. and it's like <laughs> oh, i guess we will because like the only real a plot right now like i'm right on chapter two is leaf like realizes he's in the wrong era of time and, and he like needs more answers. So like mm-hmm. uh, he he's the driving force and V and Kabu are like, yeah, we're down at party. We're just here to like have fun. Yeah. Um, which is a great energy to have in a game like this. I think V currently is the star of the show. I love, uh, I love her design. It's so simple, but like how often do you see bees in a game? You know? Yeah. Uh, she is great. so fun. So much life. Even it, like the beginning of the game is a uh, Kabu trying to have a, have a conversation with some of the, some of the ant guards. And uh, I, I forget who it is. 
is uh, the the name of the like the the royal guard of the ants. Um, yeah. But you know they're having this conversation and uh, they're like, "Hey, Kaboo, please don't cause a scene." And in the background, V is literally screaming at another beetle. <laughs> and they're like, "Yeah, like that yeah. fucker back there. Like, don't 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 be that guy." Yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's it's really really good. Uh, v V's awesome. She's she rules. Yeah. Out. They're a strong enough duo that like you. I was even wondering if it was just going to be them before Leaf showed up because like, and that's the thing that I think the game is doing that that is really fun because in Paper Mario it was like just Mario who is literally like a like the definition of a silent protagonist, just a vessel for for everything and nothing. Yeah. And then the sidekicks were the ones who like kind of filled in the blanks. But here you have a, a trio of like fully fleshed out characters that are all fun and interesting. So like that to me is, is much more of a sell than like just being Mario and having one other person with me. Yes. Which like that, that's the part of the game that feels like they're like, okay, we're inspired by this, but how can we like tailor it to the direction we want to go in? Yeah. So and I also think, Mario like, is a silent protagonist, right? Like Mario's not saying yeah. anything in those games anyway. No. So the, no. the fact that you have, uh, yeah, I, I think the intention is that you're supposed to put yourself in Mario's shoes, but like, how could that literally ever happen? Um, <laughs> I, I think the choice of having three, three, like a trio of protagonists um, who are very active and, and have active roles um, and, and are written in a way that is not you making moral choices for them, but, you know, they are making their own choices really just kind of uh, em- embeds you in the world and, and makes it a, a more joyous place to explore because they are filled with so much character and so much life. And even if they're following the stereotypes, as we were talking about before, like they're still fun. And then there's a reason yeah. that those stereotypes are, are brought into the fold in, in story writing uh, as much as they are. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like even down to shapes, you know, you have like yes. Kaboo's the square, uh, V's the triangle and Leaf is the circle. You know, you have a character who is seeking to be like the shield and the, and the sense of stability morally for the group. You have the person who's like just heading straight on in a direction for fun and then someone who's trying to figure out the world around them yeah um down to the colors too you've got green yellow and 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 blue it, it works really well um and i think it has so much intentionality to it i think that this is a game that i will love even more and more as i get deeper into it it's worth pointing out like we don't really say other reviews but this game has insanely positive reviews on steam it has like a 10 out of 10 and there's like 700 reviews like people yeah really loved it and i, and I think it's because it it set out to do what it's doing so well you know i mean i, I can criticize like some of of the some of the like design choices here or there but that's just sort of i think a testament to it being a small team that i like want to root on you know yeah um it literally I, feels I like that- somebody took a gamecube game and and like uh, just just kind of like made it travel through time onto the nintendo switch like <laughs> so frequently yeah. while playing it i just think like if this had come out on the gamecube it would have been fucking revolutionary like this would have been like totally like heated as as like the the paper mario competitor you know because the, yeah. the level of quality is there although there are the things that you and i are talking about um that that are definitely like it, it kind of shows that it was created by an independent team the fact that an independent team was able to make something that is so high quality and so uh unanimously loved i, I think uh speaks volumes about about the the, the love that went into it totally yeah it, it, it owns and- and I love that Nintendo also like allowed this to come on the Switch, you know? Like there was there is a reality where Nintendo like shut this game down, you know? Uh, yeah, totally. And they didn't. I mean, yeah. I think it's it, it's different enough. I mean, it, uh, apparently the original title was Paper Bugs, which I'm so glad they didn't do because <laughs> one that's just an awful title. It, it, I think I was joking with you. It's like calling Super Mario RPG like Final Fantasy with Mario in it. Right. It's like, okay, we get it. We get it. Yeah. And even Bug Fables I think doesn't do the game justice, but you know, it works. Uh I, you know, don't touch book by its cover or its title i would really recommend this game i mean it's it's 
again, we, we don't really veer too much into like the money per quantity of game conversations. We don't really believe in that. But it's worth pointing out, this is like kind of like another Hollow Knight example where it's $20, $25 for like a full ass RPG. Yeah. Pretty good. And I mean, it's one of those things. I mean, obviously that's subjective to... Uh, being cheap or not but like i would i would definitely recommend checking this game out if only to support seeing more stuff like this you know uh i think if this game does well it creates a really cool atmosphere where like nintendo is seeing who they're inspiring and and doing their own thing and inspiring more people i think you said this could have been a gamecube game is also speaking because i think so much of the early wave of indie games was very nes and snes inspired you know you had super meat boy absolutely even binding of isaac is very much like first Zelda kind of DNA and now we're we're far enough along the medium where like <laughs> this makes me feel really old but GameCube is now the retro system of choice to recreate yeah which is really fascinating because that is like a very specific era of like early 3D but also like that year which is like a very creative renaissance that was the same era as PS2 and like People were doing such creative stuff because I think graphics were at a level where they weren't really like too interested in just recreating like what is real. They were still primitive, primitive enough that a lot of people sought to focus on an artistic style like Okami or, you know, Animal Crossing. And there was more of an attention on doing what would be what would be like now that we are have this new dimension what can we do in a 3D environment as a game more than what can we do to recreate like the desert of this real place? Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So I think, I think that's why you got games like fucking killer seven and, uh, <laughs> you know, resident evil four and mm-hmm. animal crossing, like just such creative, weird, fun games. Yeah. I think it's a cool era to recreate. Yeah. I totally agree. That's a, that's a really great point. Um, I, I am, a little bum that we just skipped right over the Final Fantasy VII, uh, like first ever polygons phase of indie development. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that somebody uh, sets out to create uh, the next great Final Fantasy VII game uh, that looks exactly like the, the PS1 release. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could argue like I, I honestly think for horror games, something about that era is so scary still like the first Silent Hill. You know, yeah. or like that 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 type of, of fidelity is like still horrifying because it has that kind of uncanniness. So yeah, I think for for any uh, any indie developers out there who are into horror, like maybe maybe try to emulate that a little. You're bit. You're so right. I mean, uh, speaking to Final Fantasy VII, that was a big discussion that you and I had when we talked about the uh, when we talked about the original game uh, way back in, in our Final Fantasy VII and Oblivion double episode. Um, <laughs> but a lot of the big conversation that you and I had about it before the the uh, remake came out was the idea that that game was so um, aesthetically interesting because it was so low res and your brain had to fill in a lot of the gaps kind of w- with its own fiction and fantasy. Uh, and and that is like perfect for horror. You know, the, the idea that uh, totally. because it's not fully rendered in front of you. Your brain is going to fill in those blanks, I think, is 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 rad. Uh, that's a great idea. And maybe a game yeah, like totally. that exists. And if it does, please let us know, because uh, then we can Absolutely. play it in October during sp- spooky season. Spooky season. Yeah, totally. I'm actually uh, wanting to go back to the Resident Evil 2 remake, which like is very scary, but it's more tense than truly horrifying. Mm. You know, like there are a lot of moments, I think, in that early Silent Hill era that like will will plague people forever. <laughs> Just so terrifying. <laughs> yeah. But I think also in terms of the low polygon stuff, I, I would 
it wasn't it wasn't as archaic as uh ff7 originally was but like you do see a lot of that like purposely almost underdeveloped polygons in stuff like kentucky rat zero and mm, uh yeah sonar wild hearts i wouldn't i wouldn't say like it immediately evokes that era but like there is there is very much especially talk about filling in the blanks like half of the characters in kentucky rat zero even have faces you know, it's a very much <laughs> right. like a minimalist style. Yeah. And Santa Wild Hearts is kind of also purposefully minimalist in that way. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's really... I, I really like this discussion of like intentionality with graphics and I think full circle with bug fables like uh, even though we've nitpicked some of the like the little things that stand out that's not really that's not really inside their intention which is to to have this kind of cartoony world that evokes high fantasy which they've nailed um, yeah and I think honestly the things that like are a little bit too tied to Paper Mario are kind of what pushed me away where I'm like you don't have to do all that like you've already you've already evoked enough of this era that I know what you're drawing influence from and I know you're spinning in your own direction that you don't need the fucking yellow triangles <laughs> on the entrance you know what i mean yeah i don't know why that bugs me but it's like you don't have like it's like the warp pipes and flappy bird it's like okay come on like yeah. this is ridiculous. no i know i i agree with yeah. you I, th- I think there is it's a fine line between homage and uh and and i don't know uh copying i guess uh, yeah which i i don't i don't want to say in, in too negative a light because uh, again this game is great but I, I do get where you're coming from what's interesting for me is that i don't really have that nostalgia context for paper mario like as excited as i am about the new one and we talked about this on the last episode i i don't i i didn't play them i haven't played the paper mario games i've only seen them from afar i've been like at my friends houses in middle school while they played paper mario and i would see like you know 30 minutes to an hour of it and that was like my experience uh with paper mario so like all of that stuff that you mentioned is all stuff that i didn't know was part of the paper mario franchise so it hasn't really bugged me in any bugged me uh in any way (laughs) shape or form um but i do understand where you're coming from uh, because uh, you and I have had that conversation, as we said already, uh, about about uh, pretty much every game inspired by Dark Souls having a fog wall and and some kind of bonfire. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but this is like I think that this is very much a torch that I yet to be picked up. I think there was a really golden opportunity to be like, what did those games do well that like no other RPG has really followed up on? Yeah, you right. know, and and to have a even just in tone to have that kind of tone because RPGs tend to be more serious. I mean, I think I think the golden example of like that balance of tone of like very offbeat and like self aware, but also incredibly high stakes was Earthbound, and that is like one of a kind. I mean, and, and I mean, talk about influence, like Undertale is so heavily inspired by Earthbound to the point where you could almost roll your eyes, but like, it never feel like once you get further into the game, it is so very much its own thing that like you you feel the influence and then you're taken to a new place. And that's what I'm feeling with Bug Fables. Yeah, to, like, to be fair, the, the setting and the characters, um, I, I think immediately set it apart as its own thing. Totally. Um, totally. And, and I imagine over the course of the like whatever it is, 30 to 40 hours of game that that's in front of us, I, I think that will only uh, kind of settle itself in. Um, so yeah. I, I'm, I'm excited to play more of it because I've been really enjoying my time uh, with Me Bug too. Fables so far i mean it, it's been like the the really nice break from reality that i've needed i think which uh ha- goes hand in hand with another game that we're going to talk about this week but yeah bug fables totally. uh, can't yeah. recommend enough i'm really enjoying it i bought it on a whim because you were playing it my original intention was to surprise you by letting you know that i've also been playing it um but <laughs> yeah. i was so excited about playing it that you and i talked about it yesterday anyway um so yeah bug fables yeah bug fables bug fables yeah <laughs> I would also recommend this is a game that I think shines. <laughs> I, on say, I also recommend saying it like this: Bug Fables, <laughs> Bug Fables. 
for some reason, I can't stop just, saying it like that. I've been doing that for days ever since I got it. I just keep going, bug fables. <laughs> bug fables. Uh, every now and then, Brenda and I just make an inside joke for ourselves. Like, sometimes on the show, sometimes off. And that's one of them right now. Just going, bug fables. Bug fables. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> it's so dumb. No one else is going to like it, but it's just for us. But yeah, I think like just I want to put a final ribbon on the conversation of like influence and copying and inspiration. Like everything, everything is inspired by everything. And I, I really yes. enjoy seeing that. I enjoy tracing the uh, the roots of inspiration because that's like that's what's exciting about art is like there's this kind of shared unconscious that creates things that unite us. Um, you know, I think that like I don't I don't want to sound like I'm doubling down on like this is too much like this. I just think like um, you can tell when something is intended to be uh, its own thing with a strong influence versus like uh, just copying. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that this game is very much its own thing uh, with just some some design choices that are like a little bit too rooted in the past. I'm just saying, be yourself, man. You know, just do it. Yeah. Bug fables. <laughs> okay, we're done. We're done. We've got to move on to the break. Uh, bug fables. Bug fables. Brendan, uh, you recently had one of your longtime dreams come true. Uh, my <laughs> <laughs> uh, Minecraft Dungeons came out. A game that I don't know if you remember, but in our 2019 E3 episode, the start of season two. I sure two, do remember. Uh, you kind of like trolled me and gaslighted me into being excited for Minecraft Dungeons. It was a game that might have had like 30 seconds of airtime. And you're like, I'm kind of into this. And... All jokes aside, I can kind of get why. Basically, it was pitched as sort of like, what if Diablo had the presentation of Minecraft? And it's out now. Uh, we have we have it on Switch. I think it's also inherently on Xbox One because of Microsoft's involvement. Yes, it's on Game Pass um, also. So if you have Game Pass, you can just download it and try it out. And we both got it. I'm still very early on, but you are are pretty far in, and I'd love to hear your take on it. And I'm also very excited to play it together. Yes. So you you the secret of this into reality. What do you have to say for yourself? <laughs> um, it is actually worth noting. I'm almost done with it already. Um, and I and I do want to get into it. And I, <laughs> I almost spit up my drink. You're done with Minecraft Dungeons? <laughs> um, I, I mean, like, done with the campaign. I, I don't mean done. I, totally. I'm done playing this shit. Uh, <laughs> I'm sick of Steve and his shit. <laughs> yeah, I, I was excited about this from the onset just because, uh, first of all, it was Mojang Entertainment making a, a new thing that wasn't just updates to Minecraft. So that by itself, I think, is, is worth noting. I mean, it's it's one of the biggest games in history or at least one of the biggest IP in history in, in terms of at least the purchase price that Microsoft paid for it to acquire it. Um, so it's kind of a big release. I mean, th this is this is them saying, like, we're using Minecraft, uh, the IP, as a platform for experimenting with new things. And Minecraft Dungeons seems to be uh, a platform in itself in the same way that Minecraft is. Um, and and in its most basic form, I think you got it uh, exactly right. It's, it's what if Diablo but Minecraft. Um, but I, I think right underneath that surface, the, the broader question is, like, or the, or the, the broader uh, theme that they're trying to explore is uh, Diablo in terms of gameplay is is a wonderful experience it's an incredible loop um it, it's it's a thing that a lot of people enjoy sinking a, a, a metric ton of hours into uh because it's so satisfying to crawl your way through a dungeon and then find new loot and make yourself better and better and better uh and replay content and play with your friends and things like that but it is so withheld from a younger audience because of the the imagery and because of the art direction um and and even just because of the name itself a lot of people won't play it uh <laughs> 
So <laughs> yeah. Minecraft Dungeons is an attempt to take that core gameplay loop uh, and apply it in such a way that that allows for families to play it together uh, and allows for kids to play it together uh, the same way they are with Minecraft. And I, I think that by itself is a special idea. Um, totally. You and I talk yeah. constantly about um, bringing positivity to the gaming space. I think that Microsoft and and Mojang together have have done that in the release of this game by itself. Um, and and totally, I think it's release uh, via Game Pass and things like that. Uh, it's very low price. It's twenty dollars at launch. Um, it, it's low price makes it accessible. And and I I think that that by itself does wonders. Um, and and that's not even to say like how does the game play. That's just like. The the idea that this thing even exists, I think, is a positive. <laughs> so yeah, I think so. That's kind of why I was looking forward to it. Uh, so I, I picked it up immediately uh, on launch day. I was like very literally actually looking forward to playing it because it just feels it feels like one of those things that's um, kind of in line with uh, with with like a Call of Duty being released where it's like you, you kind of have to see what it's all about because it, it's such a huge tentpole part of gaming that like you kind of yeah. you kind of have to have that context if you want to talk about the larger well, like, scale of the industry. Like Fortnite or you know apex Legends yes exactly as well. like exactly this, these big events yeah, yeah th- this this by itself is kind of a big event in a way um so I, I i picked up immediately to check it out and i've been having a really good time with it they've they've accomplished everything that i mentioned already uh in, in terms of taking that core gameplay loop and 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 kind of um both simplifying it uh and and uh making it more accessible via its art style just the fact that it is minecraft and things that you recognize if you've played minecraft in the past like everything that you know about minecraft is in here with the exception of mining or crafting, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was wondering if they were going to incorporate that. Yeah, I guess they didn't. No, they did. They zero yeah. percent mining or crafting in this game. But in terms of the art style and, and in terms of some of the stuff that you're gonna that you've learned from playing Minecraft in the past, um, some of that stuff actually does carry over. For example, spiders that will attack you and shoot webs at you. That's like a normal thing in Minecraft. Uh, skeletons shooting bow and arrows at you. Uh, zombies that uh, you know slowly walk up to you and overwhelm you. All of those things that are in Minecraft are also in Minecraft which kind of uh, creates this language of Minecraft, I think, that that is inherent in all good franchises and in all good IP. Um, you're able to carry some knowledge over from, from one entry to another. But outside of that, they've actually just created a, a, a fucking good video game. <laughs> like, at, at the yeah. core of all of this is uh, is is a version of, a, of like a hack and slash and loot video game that is extremely accessible and really fun and, and very much accomplishes that thing that Diablo... Uh, accomplished which is like you can just turn your brain off and play this like th- this has now become totally. my go-to game for listening to podcasts um i was just listening to uh our like we, we always do like quality uh check listens to all of our episodes before they go out so like i was doing the quality check listen to our, our uh monster hunter world episode while i was playing last night and crawling through some dungeons which ruled so like just to go over very quickly i guess because there aren't many systems but what the systems are in this game uh it's you load yourself into a level it's kind of level based you load yourself into a level you get to choose the difficulty uh and and that starts all the way on the easiest difficulty which is like you will just fly through this thing but as your character levels up you will unlock more difficulties uh that allow you to always go one step beyond where you are so there's always the difficulty that's like what they recommend for you there are easier ones which will always be there and then there's one harder one until you you know hit that level and then it'll unlock another harder one past that which allows you to kind of uh change the game's difficulty as you will which i think is just another great step towards accessibility uh 
uh, and, and allowing everyone to play through the entire thing. But when you get into the actual game, you're just making your way from point A to point B, essentially, uh, just trying to hack and slash your way towards the end. They will throw enemies at you, and your abilities are essentially you press A to attack with a melee ability that you have, and you use um, the the right trigger uh, button um, to shoot an arrow. So you have you have a melee button and you have a ranged button. And then over the course of playing, you will also unlock what are known as artifacts, which are just like kind of wild like spells and abilities that you can have um, that you end up equipping. So like there's one that turns one of the arrows in your quiver into a rocket. And when you shoot, it does this like big area of effect damage thing. I have one that I've been using because I've been playing this uh, local co-op with my partner. I have one that I'm using that's like a little pendant that when I uh, press B, it will heal whichever of the two of us needs healing more. Um, so it will find out oh, cool. who, who has uh, lower health than heal that person. There's another one that they give you right in the beginning. That's a fishing rod, like the fish rod from Minecraft that allows you to uh, cast out a line and then pull an enemy close to you and stuns them so you can like just beat the shit out of them essentially and uh, over the course of the game and over the course of like unlocking uh, chests and things like that and defeating enemies you will get more artifacts that are like wilder and have like more interesting uh, capabilities and you can swap those in and out as you see fit uh, depending depending on you know your own personal play style. On top of that, all of the weapons, armor, uh, oh, that's it actually. All the weapons and armor have what are known as enchantment slots, uh, which allow you. And, and these are randomly rolled uh, every time you like a, a weapon drops. Just like in all good like looting games, every time a weapon drops, it will be randomly generated, uh, and and they will always have random enchantments on them. So you can use your level up skill points essentially uh, as enchantments to give your weapons and armor spells essentially so like you can have a sword that every time you hit someone it lights them on fire or like you have a 30 percent chance of like a poison gas cloud like shooting out from your sword or something um i have a pickaxe right now where every time i hit someone uh, a little bolt of lightning shoots down and will also hit another enemy so it's like great for crowd control i have a bow and arrow right now where if i stand further away and shoot the arrow grows as it's flying through the air and does more damage the further it flies um which which is like really great for just hanging back and taking care of enemies um and then i also have some armor where as i'm running around if i press the dodge button there's like a dodge roll button uh, it leaves a trail of fire behind me so anything that's chasing me uh will will get caught up in the flames and light on fire so like those kinds of enchantments are great but eventually i will find a new weapon and i'll say oh this weapon's actually better and has better enchantments for me and my play style so i can just kind of take the weapon that i was using and i can dismantle it and i get all of those enchantment points back uh, and then I can invest them in a new weapon. So that is kind of the loop that that loop of like getting loot, getting rid of the thing that you were using before completely, even if you were kind of attached to it. Like it, it really just encourages finding new play styles and trying new things constantly, which I think is really, really empowering and really fun. And and as much as that sounds like it might be like kind of deep in terms of like mechanics for, I don't know, a smaller kid to like wrap their head around, that is literally as deep as the mechanics go. Like that is that is the extent of it. There is nothing past anything that I just described. Uh, and that's why I think this game is so accessible and so interesting and so fun, because it, it is constantly rewarding you for just turning your brain off and like essentially button mashing your way through uh through like yeah. really beautiful environments honestly and i mean talk about like in terms of young kids kind of picking up on mechanics minecraft is is not inherently easy to pick up and yet every kid has like eight tutorials on youtube yes like, hey, here's how you here's how you make like a self-operating computer right, right. here's how to make a fully functioning calculator using redstone so, yeah i i think they'll be fine in dungeons yeah i think <laughs> in, in minecraft dungeons um but that sounds great i mean i'm i'm real early on i just i just picked it up and like you know half hit the first level but 
already like I, I do love the the art direction oddly enough like i think they've had fun you know rendering this environment totally in cubes obviously but like yeah the lighting and the and the palette of it are really well done almost like dare i say more appealing than and this is subjective but dare like i find it more aesthetically pleasing than diablo 3 especially because oh yeah diablo me too. one and two yeah one and two had that like early pc level of grit that like people like for that era you know mm-hmm. um it is kind of off-putting but it does wonders to create that kind of dark fantasy tone and then in Diablo 3 I like the art direction fine but it is very much like kind of a Warcraft 3 quasi cartoony vibe that like doesn't really add up with what's happening you know like I guess they're to sort of diffuse the tension a bit but yeah I, I have the same problem with Diablo 3 that I did with with the Fallout franchise that I've talked about time and time again which is like when you compare Fallout and, and Elder Scrolls the reason that I lean towards Elder Scrolls is Fallout is an inherently depressing world to be in that place yeah. sucks I don't want to be there <laughs> uh, <laughs> right Elder Scrolls is like fun high fantasy uh, people go hello traveler you know it's always yeah. a good time uh, Fallout is, is a is a fucking constant bummer and they need to inject as much humor as they can into that game to to make it so you don't want to just like run away from it essentially yeah. um, Diablo 3's subtitle is Reaper of Souls like <laughs> it's the most fucking Mountain Dew game fuel shit outside of Call of Duty I just can't bring myself to play it for a very long time as much as I love that loop and that's why I've always gravitated towards yeah. Torchlight as a franchise or uh, or Marvel Ultimate Alliance weirdly to a, to a certain extent and Marvel Heroes which was an incredible Diablo S game that used to exist those are the games that I gravitated towards instead of Diablo because I just I just can't play them for a very long time I own Diablo 3 on PS3 PS4 and Switch because I keep trying to get into them and I just yeah. cannot uh, Minecraft Dungeons is a more appealing game to me totally I've, I've enjoyed Diablo 3 for what it's worth but yeah I mean like I I, I enjoyed the aesthetic more here and also the story in Diablo is like out of its way to be just the worst delivered thing like whenever you find a journal they're like I saw the devil yesterday and I couldn't believe it I've written in this journal to tell you what the devil is like um but yeah i'm I'm excited to go to go deeper into minecraft dungeons it's definitely uh i want to say pleasant surprise but i've also i've also like been kind of um looking forward to it in my own way i'm not as my as you but you know uh, i was i was enjoying for something to play together and to kind of have that like low stakes chill atmosphere with that loop which i think there was a void for and i think too we, we talked a lot about i mean going back to bug fables a little bit it's interesting to see like a formula given a different lens in terms of tone so like i think we talked last time about like what if there was a souls like that wasn't dark fantasy you know or what if there was a diablo game that it is is dark fantasy but is like the you know lego minecraft version of it where it's like totally diffused i mean we talked about the bizarre opening cutscene of the arc illager who is like the main character from the what was the minions movie despicable me it's like him as the villain with like a evil crown yeah uh it's great this is a game that did not need a backstory um yeah completely agree yeah yeah I think that's my favorite thing, which we've, I think, talked about a few times. I can't think of exact examples, but whenever a, a game Monster or Hunter. any Monster piece Hunter, of media, We just talked about it. Monster Hunter is another yeah. game that didn't need a story and has one. <laughs> right. But they, like, just scratch the surface. But there's some things that go out of their way to explain what, like, uh, oh, it was the Rabbids game where you said, like, <laughs> there's a girl who, like, loves Mario and, like, wished upon a star, and then it became... It was so weird. Like, it didn't need yeah, that. Yeah, she, she, she made a VR headset that uh, materialized the things that she looked at or something. 
yeah. <laughs> like M- Minecraft Dungeons could literally, cause especially in the world of Minecraft, there are already like zombies that pop up. Like we know that right, going right, in. Right. So you could just be an adventurer, but it's like the Ark Illager tried to find love in every village, but all he found was hate, <laughs> hate. Uh, and then he becomes a villain. Yeah, and he turns um, into now, Darth Vader. Yeah. What what I also love is that uh, the adventurer you you can play as you can't really customize them, but there are like dozens to choose from. So they're like all these different characters, and at the bottom of the list is Steve. Like in his, <laughs> everyone else is geared to be like an adventurer in this setting, and Steve is still in his fucking half tucked in pizza stained blue t shirt. Yeah, and you're playing as him, right? You're playing. <laughs> I am. I am playing as Minecraft Steve. I mean, as soon as I saw that he was an option, it was like I gotta do it. I, I gotta make this as like disconcerting as possible. <laughs> Yeah, he's somehow out of place in his own franchise. How does that happen? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm playing him as like just a like dude with a big mustache. I was very close to playing as Steve, though. I knew one of us would. <laughs> and for some reason, I went yeah. with the mustache guy. But um, I'm glad one of us is, is playing as Steve. Yeah. Um, I think Alex is in there, too. But again, Alex is ready for adventure. Steve is ready to binge like Ice Road Narcos. Truckers, I yeah. guess. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, the, the, this game has a very loose story. I mean, uh, to be completely honest, I just skip it uh, every time I load into a new level at this point. I just I just don't, that's not why I'm there. I'm not there for a story. Um, yeah, I'm there to just, yeah. like, have a good time, I guess. Uh, I was going to skip yeah. the opening cutscene, but then I saw what they were laying down, and I was like, okay, this went from, like, I don't care to, like, what is happening Yeah, here? I know eventually I will get to a point where I will fight the Archillager and win, and then I, I'm interested to see what the game becomes after that. Um, yeah. A, a lot of the, I, I just want to mention this, a lot of the complaints, especially um, after talking about Bug Fables being, like, being as long as it is for as cheap as it is, the, the conversations about, the conversations about price versus, like, hours of gameplay I, th- I think like although we try and avoid them as much as possible are so prevalent in in online discourse about video games and some of that definitely stems from like a rightful understanding that some people only have so much to spend on video games right like that totally like it, th- this is an extremely expensive medium and hobby so you know th- th- it definitely comes into account for like really valid reasons for some people but a lot of the complaints I've seen levied against Minecraft Dungeons is that it's $20 and only 3 to 5 hours which I, I just want to like say at the forefront is I don't think that that's true like yes the campaign is maybe three to five hours just about but when you're done with it it unlocks all this other i mean you have all every new difficulty mode for every single other uh level that you've already played so you can go back and play all of them and on top of that people are still finding new dungeons and new places to explore by like just kind of exploring and finding new secrets and things like that there is a lot of content in this game that is like either free if you have game pass or $20 if you're buying it elsewhere. I, I think that this game is going to become a platform. And, and when, when you look at all the skins that you can uh, that you can play as right in the beginning, there are spots at the bottom for like DLC and extra things. Because like if there's one thing we know about Minecraft, it's that they like, you know, charging for uh, skins and, and uh, just overlays and things like that. Um, there is also a spot on the map that's like new islands coming soon. So I, I think they're going to expand upon this game in the future. Um, and, and whether it's paid or not, like I, I still think it's it's an exciting prospect to get more of this game and and to see where where it uh evolves and what it becomes in the future yeah i I just wanted to mention that because like i just see that said over and over and over and over again 
online. Um, at the end of the day, this game is is really, really fun. Um, it has local co-op, which like how many games have local co-op these days? Um, it allows you and like somebody else to, you know, pick up controllers and, and make your own character. I mean, kind of make your own characters. But then, you know, crawl around through a dungeon and, and just like shoot the shit and have fun, which owns. I don't know. It's, it's a great game. I, I'm having a really good time with it. I, I really can't recommend it highly enough if you're a person who like enjoys the idea of a Diablo but doesn't want to play it. Uh, if you want something more complex but you also don't want to play Diablo, Torchlight 2 is available on Switch as well and is also a great game. But, you know, that is a very systems heavy video game, whereas this is a thing that you could play with your a kid. Yeah. Which is great. I think uh, <laughs> something that said a lot too is like, oh, this is for kids. Like, it might be. That's okay. They need stuff too, man. <laughs> I said that since the beginning of the show. Yeah. That's like the, the most ironic thing is just hearing grown ass dudes being like, oh, this is for babies. I'm like, yeah, dude. It's There's a lot. Like, there's stuff that is for everyone. And I think there's stuff, you know, I think Minecraft Dungeons to a degree and uh, Bug Fables are both games that like any age could enjoy at the same level. You know, shows like uh, Avatar or, or you know, Miyazaki stuff that's more the general audience is stuff that like anyone of any age can enjoy and you can enjoy it with your kids and still enjoy it as when you're older. Yeah. But th- there also needs to be stuff that is geared towards a younger audience, specifically, you know, with them in mind. Not everything is going to be for a 30 year old. you know nor should it uh so you got and the the thing happened um we won't get too much into it because we've the first season of our show is largely about this but with uh let's go pikachu and eevee like that was a pokemon game that was kind of experimental that was like a little bit i want to say you know more casual in its mechanics and was a great entry point uh for people who are either newer to the series or younger and it was also great for me a longtime fan uh, having actually played it right um yes. and not boycotted it upon seeing footage of it uh <laughs> and i think that's an example where it was followed by sword and shield which like i would argue is very much on par with like what you'd expect from a from a heavier mechanics pokemon game quote unquote so like they did both you know um yeah i think there's room for series to be like okay, what can we do uh, for younger audience that would be grasped more easily? Um, and I think too, like like I said earlier, I mean, it was kind of half joking with uh, with the kids with the Minecraft tutorials. Although that's a real thing. <laughs> At least it was, you know, uh, that might even be 10 years old. I'm getting old at this point. But I think kids are able to grab onto things much more easily than, than we imagine. That being said, I think there's some stuff that like you can set them to succeed in a game when you have them in mind. And that needs to happen. Be comfortable sharing your medium with everyone. Okay? Yes, please. Yes, I I could not agree more. And if you are the kind of person who does feel the need to show their mastery over this thing made for children, uh, that is what the harder difficulty modes are for. And I, (laughs) I do challenge you to play the hardest difficulty you possibly can going through every level. You will get your ass kicked. Uh, it it is crushingly difficult at times, uh, especially if you're playing it by yourself. Um, I I do keep loading into missions, doing like one or two levels of difficulty above where I am, and I just get rocked. Uh, yeah. So I mean that option is there if that, if that's what you're looking for. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's an extremely accessible game that uh, appeals to a whole bunch of different bases simultaneously, and uh, I I think that that's a really hard needle to thread, and they like super managed to do it. Um, and and I think that's worth applauding 
and I'm excited to see where it goes. I, I really am excited to play more Minecraft Dungeons in the future, um, whether that be just replaying the stuff that's there or, uh, or or seeing what else comes down the pipeline. Yeah, even if it's even if it kind of stops here, you know, the off chance that like they just sort of try this and it doesn't really stick the landing. Like it's cool to see Mojang, like you said, experiment with other formulas of Minecraft. You know, at this point, it's such a big thing. Yeah, like Mario. You know, there's room for spinoffs with the same appeal as like a Paper Mario or a Mario Kart. Yeah. Or Something, totally you know where's our minecraft cart is what i'm saying yeah it was a racing game with steve it's wild that after all these years uh you know trying to force blinks the time sweeper and also master chief into <laughs> their mascot <laughs> position uh microsoft steve. finally found one in not minecraft steve but just minecraft as an idea just the idea of blocks <laughs> became their mascot which i think honestly i love that more ethereal take on a, on a console's mascot yeah totally it's like what's your mascot literally a cube of dirt yeah it's it's voxels my guy (laughs) (laughs) i mean steve didn't really prep for the audition of 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 mascot you know like i think gex came more ready than than (laughs) blinks definitely came more ready yeah what was that picture it was like prepare for war sonic and mario blinks is blinks is here (laughs) talk about too like that generation like the ps1 generation Everyone was trying to make a Mario. You had Croc, Gex, Glover, Glover. <laughs> Don't bring him up. <laughs> Don't make me scream. Uh, yeah, uh, really interesting era. But yeah, that's that's kind of all I have to say. I think we might revisit it if we play together and get farther in and have anything else to say. In retrospect, I kind of wish we got it for PS4 so we could stream it. But I'm really looking forward to spending. Time I was thinking with the you. same thing. Yeah, 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 that's okay. I mean, you can stream from your Switch. I just, I just can't. We can still do it together. Maybe we get it for PS4 anyway. <gasps> If we really like it, yeah. we'll just be Minecraft dungeons all over the place. Yeah. Um, cool. Game of the year. Goaty. Minecraft dungeons. We're, we're saying it now. Not even waiting until December. Game of the year. <laughs> Minecraft um, Honestly, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I, I'm, it could very well be on my list, uh, especially because there are fewer games coming out this year. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll uh, we'll talk about that later. Do you want to move on? Yeah, let's move on. Okay. Goodbye, then. Okay. Goodbye. Living a little, living a little. I just little candle, so it's time for living a little. Our uh, Animal Crossing centric uh, part of the show we do. We just do an update on what's going on. I mean, there's a version of Into the Aether that is just an Animal Crossing podcast, but we kind of keep it uh, within <laughs> ourselves until there's enough to share an update on. And I think recently we've both had a lot of Animal Crossing experiences that are worth sharing yeah do you remember i i don't know if we talked about this on the show or off but before the game even came out you and i were questioning whether uh, we would need to release bonus animal crossing episodes like just animal crossing episodes um, (laughs) because we were so sure that we were going to talk about this game this much i do like this format a lot better me too i think so as well i mean i think it it's the kind of game that like since it's come out i've also gone through waves of like playing and not yes and i've i've recently like since we last talked about it i went through a wave of like finding creative inspiration and then putting it on ice for a bit mm-hmm. and then uh recently coming back um, yeah there was a point and- recently where i took an entire week off playing because i was just like i need i need to just like get out of this for a couple minutes yeah. <laughs> or, like a couple of days I- just to like experience some other things and now i'm back in and i'm playing like I would say once or twice a week, which uh, has been great. I'm still having a great time with it. Yeah, I, I think, you know, more than anything, play this game however you want. But I do think that for me, it shines the most when I am playing it like 
a little at a time, you know? I think, like, yeah. because there's Terraform, because there's more to actively do in this game, I think it's become, like, a more active game for a lot of people. But a lot of the mechanics that are built around the game are still keeping in mind that they want you to just sort of check in every day. So I've seen some people talk online about, like, complaints they have with the game where they're like, I see a lot of the same conversations and I, you know, I feel like there isn't as much to do. And feel however you want. That's all valid. But I think, like... You really only feel, I mean, I have put in almost 200 hours at this point, and I feel like you only really feel that when you're at that point where you're playing it <laughs> every day, all day, yes, you know, because yes, like, yes. that's, and, and, I, and I do think like, you know, they can improve some things, but I, I do, we touch on this a lot in the past few segments where like the reason not everything is available right away is to give you something to look forward to. You know, I think like mm-hmm. have the, the wonder of like, oh shit, what's going to be added in the fall? Uh, are we going to get, you know, something akin to Red the Fox coming back? Are we going to get the cafe are we gonna get something else that that's what keeps the game alive and what feels alive you know if you could just kind of mid-max it to the point where you just have everything right away this is personal like i don't want to judge anyone who like wants to have their island right away like i get it right right, right. but like that's you're you're expecting something different from the game than it is you know you're expecting it to be the sims or or sim city when it's like just sort of like a chill island (laughs) yeah (laughs) i I do honestly think i i saw somebody talking about this um maybe a week or two weeks ago so please forgive me i I, I don't know uh, who actually tweeted this out but i i I saw a thread online um that was talking about the idea that like the fact that people are playing animal crossing like that indicates that there's a huge hole in the market for games that are like that um yeah yeah because people are contorting the sims and animal crossing and and other games um and stardew valley in into a different thing than any of those games actually are which which just indicates like hey if you're a game developer you should be trying to fill that hole um and and make a game for those people who want that kind of uh interaction but yeah i i I kind of am on the same wavelength as you i i believe personally that there's like an an intended way to play the game and it is more rewarding when you play it that way um but i do think there is still room or there's still wiggle room there and like i i like you i'm not going to judge other people for not playing it in that way um yeah i just choose to play it that way <laughs> it's designed to be played any way you want it to but i think if you demand like as, if you're squeezing the game dry of everything every day it's gonna feel stressful it's gonna feel yes. unfulfilling you know like I, personally but i i, I think I've reached a nice groove with it now where, you know, I, I had my inspirations to do uh, to build a boardwalk arcade, to build a little cafe. Mm-hmm. I've recently built like a weird music area because a lot of my villagers like to sing, much to my demise. But I'm like, <laughs> oh, I can't limit your artistic expression. I'm going to make a stage. Yeah. For you. So I did that. And I recently had a whole thing with some new villagers moving in. I'm very excited to talk about. But I think first and foremost, I want you to share what happened to you recently because I think it was a really oh, okay. cool event. And it's kind of the game this particular Animal Crossing like at its best I think yes that it allows for stuff like this so both personally and like uh, as a game I'd I'd love to hear your your take on this yeah absolutely yeah so so uh recently uh i was out with my partner we were eating dinner um and and she was like hey we, we got to get back home at a very specific time and i was like oh okay sure so we got home uh it, it was my birthday i don't think i mentioned that but maybe I did. happy birthday uh, it was my birthday yeah thank you gemini um, season yeah baby uh so uh, stop it stop it got back home and uh immediately she (laughs) she turned on uh her switch and logged on to animal crossing and i was like i think i have an idea of what's about to happen uh and then she sent me a dodo code and was like sign on to animal crossing and and go to this place 
Uh, and, and I went to her island and she like led me on this path up through her island. Um, and we walked into what was kind of like an outdoor party space. There was like a DJ table and like a place to sit. And there was like a dance floor that was, um, all, it was like the original Sonic the Hedgehog from Sega Genesis's face, like turned into, <laughs> um, turned into a dance floor. Uh, and then you and a bunch of our other friends popped out from behind trees with party poppers. And it was a surprise party for me in Animal Crossing. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, and some shout out to, uh, Pablo and Kelly who were, uh, cosplaying as me also, which was so <laughs> funny. Um, but yeah, it was, it was just like one of the most joyous events I've experienced, I think since, uh, since like lockdown started. Um, yeah. it, it's some of the most positive energy I, I felt flow into me in a very long time. Um, I was so overwhelmed by it and, and so filled with joy and appreciation. Um, so thank you, Stephen, for being there. But like, oh, of course. it was just, it was just so nice. It was so kind. Um, and, and I don't know how I can ever repay all of you for doing that. But yeah, it, uh, it is 500 Nook Miles tickets, <laughs> uh, eight gold armor. Uh, no, totally I did. Kidding. I did drop off a bunch of cupcakes for everyone who showed up. Um, you're too sweet in, in, in game. But anyway, yeah, like like you said, it is Animal Crossing New Horizons at its best. It's a thing that was not possible in a previous game that is possible now. Um, you could only have four people on an island. Now you can have eight, and and we had eight people in, in this space, and it ruled. Um, and we all hung out and and went fishing, and uh, we all went to Red's boat and bought a bunch of art, like fake art. Yeah, and, and, and all screamed stuff. to him at the same time. That's my favorite picture: is us like in his darkly lit boat, just like ah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, it was so, it was so cool and so great. Also on that day, Igly asked me to move out, which was very sad. An original villager, one of your first two. My, yeah, one of my original villagers asked me to move out and he asked me, he asked me to move out in a way that was, um, you, you and I haven't really talked about this as much, but, uh, on the show, but he asked me to move out in a way where if I had said, no, you should stay on this island, I would have been a bad person. Like the, yeah. the way that it was written and the way it was phrased was in such a way that was like, he is actually leaving to like pursue new heights and become a better person and grow as a person or as a penguin, I guess, in that case. Um, yeah. And, and by uh, forcing him to stay, I would have withheld him from, from his uh, future potential in his life. So, He's like, uh, hey man, I've got a mate waiting for me back in Antarctica. I got to walk 70 miles to pick up the baby <laughs> and then walk with them in my sort of thigh fur to keep them warm yes. back. Yes. Can I do that? That's that's why <laughs> No. That's why he as a jock has been working out for so long was for his long journey home. Um yeah. but yeah, so he he moved out and then also the the campsite uh had a villager named Teddy who is a uh who is a jock bear who is just like a very classic ass bear um who I then convinced to move in. So like just a lot of change and a lot of like uh a lot of kindness and a lot of growth happening on May 26th uh which is very nice. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Yeah, I'm excited for... I like Teddy's energy quite a bit. You know me and how much I like bears. Yeah, which... he's actually the first uh, He's the first villager that I built a house for out in the woods in the middle of nowhere, not connected to the rest of the town. Uh, cool. So he like literally lives like in the highlands in the woods, um, which I think is a great vibe for him, and, I, and I'm excited to see 
how he thrives in New Oak. My next project is might be giving everyone more fully them yards because right now, like there, are, you know, you have to do that for the villagers who move in in sort of the like a plot, if you will, like the first you know events of the game where you have to build outside furniture to get people to move in. Yeah, because I've seen a lot of my friends' islands where they have towns kind of like very much like next to each other on like uh, very concrete paths, and mine are a bit more spread out, but looser in New Jersey. Um, <laughs> I even have it where like I have scattered cobblestone as if it's sort of like overgrown in the eastern part of the island but i want to give once i have like so here, here's my deal with villagers i uh i have a handful now that i really don't want to leave unless they have that like very human way of like let me grow yes i will keep them yeah i have a handful that i really like but i'll let them fly if they want and then i have two i want to move away <laughs> like actively <laughs> want to move away uh-huh. uh so right now the people i want to say are bardo obviously he asked once in a way that was shitty and i changed his mind and like <laughs> again we're just we're finally getting somewhere with him he's sending me a lot of letters recently where he was like i don't know how to say this in person so i'm going to say it in a letter i'm like who is spying on you so we got bardo <laughs> lily the frog who i love yes. uh, she's my next door neighbor um easily she's she's what they call normal personality types but like truly feels that way now she's written like a human being and not like bardo (laughs) (laughs) who might actually be a human in a bear suit ironically yes elvis the cranky lion uh who i love uh who's sort of you know one of the paternal figures uh speaking of dad energy we got coach uh, who's got the yard that I want everyone to have uh, in terms of like tying to their personality. He's on a cliff and I gave him a wooden deck, a pool and a barbecue. Big dad energy from coach. So those are the those are the ones I want to stay. Uh, the newest addition is Vivian. Yes. Uh, who, is a cam- who is a campsite villager who I instantly loved. She is a wolf with like big Diane Keaton uh, energy in terms of her fashion she's snooty uh but in a way that like elevates the culture of the island i think and doesn't question it love vivian uh, so happy to have her on board um <laughs> and uh she's just been working out she's like the snooty touch she's into fashion and into like skincare but she's just lifting weights in town square constantly i'm like i love this energy from vivian yeah um that rules and uh zucker recently moved out uh he was the first person i invited to the island lazy octopus uh and he asked kind of in a way where he was like hey like i'm really thinking like i love it here but i really want to i think he said like i want to eat all the delectable foods on other islands and i was like (laughs) a little bit torn because i really like zucker but zucker is also like weirdly common like he's a very beloved character but like a lot of people have him yeah yeah you and i were talking about this yesterday um just like the systems in the game kind of weirdly prioritize you getting zucker at some point (laughs) yeah and i I also saw him on an island at one point and and debated about inviting him uh, and then ended up not because you already had him. Yeah, uh, Sadie, my friend, had the same thing where like we didn't want him. We said we didn't want him to become his own grandfather. So she didn't invite (laughs) him to a time loop error. Uh, The game crashes and it's just Zucker's face on your desktop. But Zucker moved away. Actually, uh, a a friend of a friend picked up Zucker before he moved out while he was in boxes. And he now lives on an island where all the villagers are food themed. Uh, so he's like amongst his his company. Yes, he's with Great. you know the 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 French fries uh, one and the the strawberry meringue rhino, all of them. So he moved out and and he was my lazy archetype uh, villager. So I didn't have a lazy. I had three jocks. Uh, in his in his place, Goose the chicken jock moved in, and I was like, I already had two jocks, but I really like Goose's energy. He's kind of a country boy. His whole uh, house has like a very uh, rural vibe to it. I imagine he's in the cast of Letterkenny. He has that energy to him. <laughs> 
uh, in his in his jockness. Like him, he's he's amongst the ones that like. Okay, so so that was who's on the island currently. So the ones I want to stay are Vivian, newest edition. Yes, Bardo, mm-hmm. Lily, Coach, yes. Elvis. Uh, the ones that I that I like, but I'll let them fly are Goose, who I just described. Apple. Uh, Apple is a hamster who is the peppy one, who is like a celebrity in the making. I would never say no to her wanting her stardom to increase. You know what I mean? Totally. Like, yeah. Feels irresponsible. So those are the ones that I that I uh, like, but we'll let them go. Uh, the two that I want to move, which kind of breaks my heart because I want to love everyone. In the beginning, I said yes to everyone, basically. And uh, Muffy, the uh, goth sheep, uh, is the one of the two I want to move. I like Muffy a lot. I like her personality. I like her vibe. She is one of the villagers that has kind of a human face. So that's sort of unsettling. Uh, but two, she sings constantly. She sings <laughs> literally, like literally whenever I am building paths, which takes roughly 20 to 40 hours to do, <laughs> she will show up and sing. And it's just, I don't want to be, I don't want to become a villain through someone's artistic expression and joy, but she doesn't have the best voice and it is just brutal. So she kind of needs to go. Yeah. You, she, you were texting AJ and I updates on, on Muffy singing and, and you were like, she sings constantly. And I, I think AJ and I were both like, ha, ah, that's so funny. And then you were like, she's singing right now. And then like, 10 minutes later she's singing again and then 10 minutes later she found me on the beach she ran up to me and just started singing i just was lying sometimes i had the game in the background because it's like pleasing background (laughs) noise and i was laying on a hammock and she shows up and she's like get the fuck out of here um so she, she needs to go and then we have naomi who is who is this sounds like an insult but it is what she is she's a snooty cow and she uh made all of us cry and called lily basic and needs to go uh she is not the energy new jersey needs oh yeah wants. bummer so uh those two are the ones i want to move everyone else is great and recently billy uh, the jock goat, my third jock, one of the two originals was Billy and Muffy. He asked to move and he was one of the ones that I liked, but I was like, I'll let you fly if you want. So he flew away and, uh, and, and recently I've been talking to my friends. I'm like, okay, the next, I've been saying yes. I've been having a very welcoming energy, but this is my island. Okay. <laughs> this is my place. Yes. I don't want it to be 100% catered to my wishes and desires like a fallen king, but I do want whoever I invite next, I want to be. Vivian energy, someone I really like. It's someone that changes literally how I feel when I play the game. Someone who changes the fabric of the island. Yeah. So I went on a little bit of excursion, which I actually might write about in our on our medium in our newsletter. I think it'd be fun to detail my like uh Odyssey journey going from island to island to find to find the right villager. I didn't really have anyone in mind. Like some people like really have their like prioritized list of like, here's who I want. I like leaving that open. I did have my eyes set on, I knew I wanted a lazy villager because I didn't have any lazy villagers in my, in my island after Zucker moved away. I had three jocks. So like push-ups, muscle madness, push-ups <laughs> and two snooties. So it was a weird energy. I need someone lazy. Um, so I was looking at the lazy villagers and I fell in love. There is a lazy elephant named Dizzy who looks like if Brian Lee O'Malley drew an elephant uh but was a kind of vaguely uncanny love that i love this sort of slightly unsettling energy of, of certain villagers not the human faces but this like Bardo's the limit in which i will accept nightmare fuel on my island you know <laughs> yeah, um, yeah yeah so i went out uh, to a bunch of islands and then i found stitches who is a bear cub who uh is literally like a teddy bear with like x's for eyes brought to life yeah, and they stitches are a lazy rules. cub I love stitches and I invited them immediately. So excited to have them move in. And what I'm most excited for 
is the Tom Stoppard two-person play with Bardo and Stitches as the starring characters. Because <laughs> we <laughs> we have, as my friend Sadie said, the two extremes of what being a bear means. We have a fully grown man who might be Gene Hackman in a bear suit. And then we have a, a teddy bear brought to life. So it's like, what does being a bear mean in New Jersey? And I'm so excited to explore that on stage. <laughs> I'm also I'm looking forward to it. So that's that's the major updates. Yeah. I'm really pumped with Stitches. I, and Stitches is someone that I didn't even know existed. And I think that's kind of where I want my my aim to stay. Is like I don't want to have a mapped out future for the island, um, but I do want to not settle for less. Yeah. And I, and I think Stitches is the perfect surprise. I'm, oh, shit. I love this villager. I didn't even know who they were. What a pleasant surprise. Yeah. I do board. like that you're finding uh, the Jellicle Bears to add to the <laughs> island. <laughs> Holy shit. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You can't get more jellical than Stitches and Verdo. They are they are as jellical as bears can be, which might be a different word. Yeah, I, uh, I have to imagine there's a different word for a jellical bear, but yeah. um that's the only frame of reference we have is as people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll have to I'll, I'll ask Verdo like I'll I'll send him a letter in the game with a gift and say, "What does jellical mean to you as a bear?" And I'll see what he responds with. I'll let you know. Great. I'm excited to find out. <laughs> You do seem a little scared, but I don't blame you. I'm concerned. Uh, and this is <laughs> um, anyway, that's my update. Wow. Thank you for the updates. And, yeah, totally. And also, thank you for coming to my surprise party. Of course. I hope you're not actually that scared. I hope it didn't uh, alarm you too much there. I'm the I'm, Jellicle Bears. I'm horrified. <laughs> um, well, right before we wrap the episode up, I do... I do want to mention two very quick things. It, it is the six-year anniversary of two things simultaneously. Number one is that you and I were working at a video game website, and it was our, our first time recording a show together. Uh, we had a show that was called Super Brunch Force, where we would each bring like a, a game, or, or sorry, a, a, a story about video games that we were interested in in the past week and talk about it early in the morning, which I think is like the, the very earliest iteration of this podcast. Um, yeah. So happy six-year anniversary to that experience. And number two, uh, I was also simultaneously, and this is just funny to me, uh, I was also simultaneously reviewing the first Watch Dogs, which had just come out, and and uh, apparently what I spent my first 15 minutes doing in Watch Dogs was uh, trying to record a video of me parallel parking in that video game to prove how bad the driving <laughs> mechanics were. That rules. Um, it, I love and it that. was it was absolutely impossible. So uh, happy six year anniversary to both of those events. Happy anniversary. Both of which are equally yeah. important. They kind of are. I mean, I remember you uh when I still had a Facebook, you posted on my timeline uh the video of the Super Brunch Force and because it was the whole premise of the show that you created was that we'd be eating brunch together and you're like, We're here, it was the first episode, see what are you eating? I'm like, oh, I already ate. I had a clip. <laughs> <laughs> you ate beforehand. <laughs> And he went, he went, oh, okay. <laughs> so you posted that on my wall and you're like, uh, I think you even said like thinking about when we did this brunch show and you had already in brunch feeling strong. Uh, and that led to you reaching out and being like, hey, I missed talking about video games with you. And then we started doing this. Yeah. So it did it did weirdly lead to this despite it being kind of like a, a nightmare <laughs> it was fun but it was it was not fully it was very much the, like the the sparkle in our eye and not the fully flushed out thing yeah absolutely um, that was that was before i even lived in chicago i was basically just like a big baby uh <laughs> you know like stitches <laughs> 
Now I'm and there. Now you're very, oh, yeah, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> I've grown up. I'm not the fake bear you thought I was. I'm a real bear. Then he takes a saxophone and just breaks it on stage. And the lights never turn off. So as an audience, you have to figure out when you leave. That's like the major kind of artistic <laughs> choice of this play. Uh, bear meets bear. Yeah, uh, he, he continues like doing it until everyone in the audience has left. Yeah, exactly. That all, that's awesome. <laughs> I love that idea. And in intermission, you just see stitches sewing. That's like the lights never go off. There's just like a kind of dead tree in a park bench. Yeah. And stitches is sewing. Uh, and you can hear like faint kind of atonal uh, saxophone in the distance. It's Bairdo playing. <laughs> wow. Tickets are available now. Uh, it's going to sell out quick. It is off Broadway. And by off Broadway, it's not even in New York City. I think you have to go to Pennsylvania <laughs> to see the play. Uh, it's off it's New York City. Enough. It's, <laughs> it's all off, off Broadway. I hope you like it. Yeah. Cool. I, th- I think it's time for us to wrap up for the week. I think so. <laughs> um, um, as always, yeah. thank you to everybody who listens to the podcast. Um, the thank best you. way to help it grow is to share it with a friend who you think would be into it. We have a bunch of uh, social links that you can follow. Uh, all of them are available at intothecast.online, but that includes Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram. Um, if you want to join our Discord, which is an amazing uh, place, which I, I have talked about a lot recently, uh, you can go to theworstgarbage.online and find the link there. Uh, it's also bit.ly slash TWG Discord. So you can join there. And we also have a Patreon available. Um, I'm going to I'm going to shout out the names of everybody who's in the Patreon. Uh, what I will say is um, if if you're comfortable with it, please like remove your your donation to our Patreon for the month, maybe, and and donate it to um, some kind of uh, activist cause uh, that you believe in. I, I think that yeah. I think that uh, now more than ever is the time to be doing that and not donating to our video game podcast. Uh, as much as we appreciate it, and uh, as much as we love that you do that, if you can match your, even if it's just matching your donation to our Patreon to another place. That is that is a positive force that you can make in the world and in society. Um, or maybe um, we could even just spend whatever we make this month to that rather than making them like switch it. Or yes, turn on off, we can I agree. Yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah, let's definitely do that. that that's that's a much yeah. better uh, solution to this. Yeah. So we're going to do that. Um, yeah. Anyway, do you, want me to, do you want me to say that on the show? I think you just did. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> who is the real bear? <laughs> uh, thank you so much to Akira, Alex, Andrew D, Andrew D, Bede, Benjamin D, Benjamin W, Bolt, Brendan, Brett, Catherine, Chris, Christopher, Siren, Craig, David, Dennis, Elliot, Enrique, Hilton, Ian, Inez, Jason, Jeff, Joeri, Josh, uh, Jules, Cameron, Connor, Kieran, Kim, Kyle, Mark, Mark, Marcel, Marianne, Matt, Melly Muffin Pie, Micah, Mima, Min, Murray, Naomi, No Name, Pablo, Pat, Philip, Robert, Salute Peasy, Scout. Page two. Intermission. Leave if you want. Sebastian, Shelley, Skintight, Alloy, Trevor, and William. Thank you all so much for backing the show. Um, yeah, it means a lot. Totally. What else? What else is in? What else is happening? What? <laughs> <laughs> I think you did a great job wrapping up. And I think, uh, you know, uh, just to touch on it, you know, we... I think this episode might be a little bit of emotional whiplash with our energies all over the place. But I guess I want to end where we began and just reiterate that we are very much 
uh, in full support of of those who are protesting right now. And whatever we can do with our limited platform and resources, we are committed to doing. So yes. we just want to thank you out there who are doing that. And if we can be involved at all, uh, whether it's behind the scenes or, you know, financially uh, or, or whatever form it takes, we're happy to do so. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, uh, I guess to wrap up, uh, Black Lives Matter. Stay safe. Black Lives Matter. Stay safe. Thank you for listening. Um, and we'll be back next week with more video games. <laughs> Cue saxophone solo. I don't know why I just assume it's it's because of the conversation. It's the movie with Gene Hackman where it ends with him in like a spoilers for the conversation. But he's in this like <laughs> trashed apartment that he thinks is bugged. And he's just playing the saxophone at the end. And that's just what I see Bardo doing at the end of this play. Wow. So strongly. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> thank you so much. We love you. Stay strong. And we will see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. To bug fables. <laughs> 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 Fuck off.